0: Jenny Naselli is gonna be speaking this morning and so I'd like to invite Jenny to come up and I just wanna introduce her a little bit and that is, I've known Jenny for probably, well, maybe five, six years since I've been at the North Campus here and uh, Jenny uh, is from South Carolina. You might notice a little southern accent, maybe Maybe a little little bit, but Jenny uh, met Andy 17, well, you met him more than 17 years ago, but been married for 17 years we celebrate an anniversary about the same time. My husband and I just celebrated 39 years, <laughs> and so it's just you know it's uh, it's a sweet thing to to celebrate with her uh, what God has been doing in her life. She's got four girls, and they are beautiful, and she's an amazing homeschool mom. And so I think you're gonna you're gonna see her teaching gifts come out as she has honed those at home with her girls. So um, I am gonna pray for for Jenny now, um, and I just know that you're gonna enjoy hearing and learning from her. God, I thank you so much for Jenny. God, I thank you that she said yes to come and to open up Ephesians, uh, this prayer of Paul's in Ephesians 3. God, we are so thankful for the ways in which you have been working in her life and in her family's life. Thank you that she is a part of our body here at the North Campus. And I just pray, Lord, that you would strengthen her in amazing ways this morning, Lord, that she would have a clear mind and focus, and your Holy Spirit would just speak through her, and that we would just learn and grow in our love for you, our God, who is just so amazing, who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So would you do that this morning so that we would all know you and love you more, Jesus? We pray this in your name. Amen. morning.
1: Um, I tend to speak too quietly. So if you can't hear me, would you please help me by doing something like this? And that will just remind me that I need to speak up because I tend to forget to do that. Um, It's an honor for me to be here with you this morning. Do you have people that you dearly, dearly love but struggle to know what to pray for for them? I do. I have people that I pray for regularly and I pray for their physical healing, I pray for their growth in grace, I pray for protection and then I kind of fizzle and I get stuck. Um, and so this series um, with Lindsay and Amy and Charisse has been so helpful for me because it's given me different prayers to pray for different people and it reminded me of when Andy and I were first married there was an older woman in our small group, and we would gather as a small group, and we would share, and then we would pray. And when we would pray, she would open her Bible, and she would pray scripture, and she would weave scripture in and throughout her prayers, and her prayers were so powerful. It was so powerful for me as a young woman to hear this older woman praying God's words right back to him, and that made a big impression on me And so I've tried to grow in that Um, and so I'm excited to do that today because I feel like the Ephesians passage gives us a good framework to think about how we pray for people that we dearly love. Last year, Pam gave me an opportunity to pick one of Paul's prayers, to study and then to share with you. And there are a lot. Um, So last year I had a lot of fun reading through all of them And I chose this one because I love Ephesians. I love the theme in Ephesians of God taking a diverse people, Jews and Gentiles, and weaving them into one body with his son as the head. I love the word pictures and the practical wisdom in Ephesians, and I love this prayer because it's right in the middle of the book, so I just kept coming back here and landing here. And I thought it would be helpful before we look at the text, if I give you the story of Ephesians, so you know the story. So Paul landed in Ephesians. Ephesians is a big city. If this is the land, Ephesians would be right here, and then there's the Aegean Sea, and then the Greek Peninsula. So it's a megacity because it was a center for trade and traffic. And Paul landed here in Ephesus, and he found people who claimed to be believers in Jesus, but they only knew up until the baptism of John they didn't know anything beyond that. A man named Apollos had come, and he'd been so excited to share Jesus with these people, but he only knew that John the Baptist baptized Jesus, that's all. So Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. And so Paul said, okay. And he sat down with them, and he explained the gospel to them from the time of Jesus' baptism through his death and resurrection. He explained the Holy Spirit to them. He stayed and prayed with them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then he stayed with them for three years. So he loved these people dearly. Then he left and went on more missionary journeys and came back on his third journey. And there's a story in Acts 17 of this tearful farewell where the church comes rushing out on the beach. They know this is the last time they'll ever see their beloved pastor. And they're weeping, and they're hugging and they're praying and they're saying goodbye to Paul and then he leaves and sure enough he gets arrested in Jerusalem and carted off to Rome and he's under house arrest in Rome and he has a lot of time to think about these people that he dearly, dearly loves and so that's the root that's what's going on in Paul's heart as he's writing Ephesians. We think he wrote it around 80-60 but it's a model for us As we think about people, maybe people that we knew before or people that we love dearly, I'm going to read the passage, and it's on your handout. And then I encourage you to keep your handout out or have your Bible open, and we'll work through it together. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, as we start looking at the passage, let's remember what Ephesians is. It's a letter, it was written by this beloved pastor to the church. The book of Ephesians splits neatly in half. The first chapters, one through three, are mostly theology and the second half, first of, uh, chapters four through six, are mostly practical. And so this prayer at the end of Ephesians three is like a bridge, and it's tying the theology into the practical. And you have to keep the theology from the first half of the book in your head as you work through the prayer because it's what was in Paul's head. I'm gonna ask you some questions as we work through, and I'm not going to let you be off the hook. You need to answer And I'm even going to ask some people to read, if you don't mind, um, looking at passages and reading. So let's look at the first line. Whom is Paul addressing in this prayer? He says, I bow my knees before the Father. Good. So he's talking to God the Father. And then how does he describe him in the second line? He says, the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Well, I was wondering why would Paul describe God the Father that way? If you were going to describe God the Father, how would you describe him? Well, if I was going to describe him, I would describe him as generous, kind, loving. Why would Paul say, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named? Well, as I was wrestling with that, I listened to Sharice Compton teach on the Lord's Prayer. And she was talking about... beginning of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus encourages us to call God our father and she reminded us that that is a gift and that that would be surprising especially to these Gentile believers the Jews didn't think of God as their father until Jesus encouraged them to and the Gentiles wouldn't dare so the fact that all of a sudden every family in heaven and on earth that puts their faith in the Lord Jesus can now call God their father That is a gift, and it would be new for them and something that they would still be excited about. And it's still something we should be excited about today. We can call God our Father. That is a huge privilege. At the beginning, look back at the beginning. Do you see the first three words where it says, for this reason? So we need to know what is the reason. What's the reason that Paul is talking about? So may I have a volunteer? This is a little bit of a longer one read Ephesians 3 verses 4 through 6. Would anybody be willing to do that? Remember, I'm going to keep you, uh, give us, I'll give you a small one again. <laughs> Could you do that? Thank you so much. Yes, Ephesians 3, what was this? Verses 4 through 6. Thank you very much. So did you catch what the mystery is? Did you catch what the reason is? The mystery or the reason is that all of a sudden, Jews and Gentiles are one body. That's amazing. We're kind of used to that, but I don't want us to be used to it. I want us to see it as amazing. Are there any women in the room that have Jewish descent? Okay, so I want you to look around the room, and that means, that the gospel reached your people every one of you the gospel reached you that is amazing that means the gospel is still doing what it was sent out to do 2000 years ago it's still doing it i think sometimes we can lose track of that and just think it's normal of course we're christians no it's amazing where do you live in north america how on earth did the gospel get all the way to north america it's incredible That this is a room of Gentile women, and we are all woven together as one body in Christ. That's amazing. I don't want to lose track of that. So the for this reason is that reason, that God has woven us together as one body in Christ. And then in verse 16, Paul says, according to the riches of his glory. So he's bowing the knee before the Father. He's reminding us that we're united. And then he says, according to the riches of his glory. So he's reminding us that this father is incredibly generous. And when I read this, I have a mental picture of a treasure chest. And I imagine God the Father opening up this treasure chest and just pulling out riches of glory to share with us. And I, th- I love that picture because it reminds me that God is not on a conservative budget. He's not stingy. He's not saying, you already came to me four times this morning. He has riches in glory that he wants to share with us, and that's what Paul is reminding us. He's reminding us that we have a good Father who's united us in a way that's incredible and amazing, and that he's generous, and that's what we keep in our heads as we go into the prayer. So now we're going to look at the two main requests, and I tried to put them on the handout in a way that would hopefully be easy for you to see, Um, but when you look at it, look at verses 16 and 17, and then verses 17 through 19, and see if you can find strength twice, and then see if you can find that or so that twice. So the first request is that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, nope. I jumped down too far. The first request, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. The first request is that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So do you see we're being strengthened so that, and then the second request is in verse 17 through 19, that you would have strength to comprehend with all the saints the height and breadth and depth and length. And know the love of Christ so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God. So I'm seeing two requests. Both times Paul's praying for strength and both times he has a reason. So let's look at the first request in verse 16 and 17. That we would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. faith. And we're going to take it apart phrase by phrase. So who is the person doing the strengthening? you look at that and see if you can tell? We're being strengthened with power through his spirit. Good. And if you look carefully here, you see the Trinity. Paul is praying to God the Father. He's praying that we would be strengthened by the power of his spirit so that the Lord Jesus would dwell in our hearts through faith. Where are we being strengthened? We're being strengthened in our inner being. And Lindsay encouraged me to look up. What does this mean? So I was looking for where is this mentioned again in scripture? And I think the most helpful passage was in 2 Corinthians 4.16. It talks about how our outer self is wasting away, but our inner being is being renewed day by day. And that gives you a good picture of what your inner being is. Why do we need to be strengthened? What's the purpose? So that... What's the purpose? Good. It's so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. What does it mean... For Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. Well, when I was studying this, it reminded me of John 15. Right before Jesus goes to the cross, he's talking to his disciples. And this is his last charge with them before he leaves them. And he says to them in John 15 Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you may ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So Jesus is talking to believers, and Paul here in Ephesians is talking to believers, and both of them are saying that Jesus needs to live in our hearts through faith. Does that surprise you? We're believers. We already believed in Jesus. He's supposed to already be living in our hearts through faith. So why are Jesus and Paul both encouraging us to pray that we would be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit so that Jesus would dwell in our hearts through faith? Well, I don't know about you, but a lot of times my faith feels really weak. (laughs) And a lot of times I have to pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen me in my inner being so that the Lord Jesus would dwell in my heart through faith. I have a dear Christian sister that I pray with regularly, and she really struggles with whether or not her faith is real. And this passage is so encouraging because I can say to her, what you're feeling is real. You are feeling your own weakness. We can't make our hearts believe in the Lord Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to make us strong so that the Lord Jesus will dwell in our hearts through faith. And Paul is encouraging them. He's saying, yep, you're right, you're feeling it. And that's exactly what you should be feeling. And so when you feel that weakness, you don't fixate on the weakness. You put your eyes on the object, and that's what makes your faith strong. And you say, God, Please strengthen me in my inner being through your Holy Spirit so that the Lord Jesus will dwell in my heart through faith. That's really encouraging to me. So I'm going to give you a minute. I'm just going to be completely quiet. And I want you to put the first request in your own words. I won't make you talk, but you can write it down on your paper. How would you rephrase the first request? Okay, I'm going to go start reading the second request, but if you need another minute to finish writing, that's fine. The second request starts in 17b, and it goes through 19, and it is that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, so there's the strength again, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, do you notice that this second request starts with a that? That means that it follows the first request. I almost think of this as like a telescope or like a natural progression. So, if the Holy Spirit is making us strong, then Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith, and then comes the second request. So, it's a natural progression. So, let's look at the phrase being rooted and grounded in love. So remember the last request. Paul is praying that Jesus would live in our hearts through faith. Now he's praying that our hearts would be rooted and grounded in him. So I don't know if I can explain this well. I think of this as almost a flip image. So the first request, Paul's praying that the Lord would dwell in our hearts. And in this one, he's praying that our hearts would be rooted and grounded down in Christ. I almost feel like it flips. Um, I think of this as when I was growing up in South Carolina, we had these tall, tall, tall pine trees. Really, really tall. But they had these really small root balls and so they weren't sturdy at all and you did not want to live next to one of those pine trees if there was a a storm because a storm would blow the pine tree right down on your house or wherever and when it would blow down, it would be amazing to see how small the root ball was for these pine trees, compared to the length of the tree. And that's what Paul doesn't want our faith to be like. He wants our faith to grow down into Christ. So as Christ is dwelling in our hearts through faith, we respond, and our hearts respond by growing down deep into Christ. Well, how do we grow down deep into Christ? I think that's what the next request means. Paul is praying that we would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So do you see two words that mean the same thing or basically the same thing in that passage? They're verbs, if it helps. Do you see them? It's to comprehend and to know. So Paul is praying that we would have the ability, that we would have the strength to comprehend and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So that's why he has to pray for it, because it surpasses our knowledge. It's not a natural thing for us to just know. So when I imagine this, when I imagine the breadth and depth and height and length, I imagine the very first time that I went to the North Shore and I stood on the banks of Lake Superior like what Pam was talking about, and it's kind of what we sang about in our hymn. When I stood on the banks of Lake Superior, I was shocked at how vast it was. I've seen oceans, but for some reason, Lake Superior feels bigger than an ocean. I remember thinking, this is a lake? How can this be a lake? It's huge. And I imagine Paul having that same mental picture. He would have spent a lot of time on the Mediterranean Sea. And I imagine him having that same mental picture. So you imagine standing on the shores of Lake Love of Christ. Can you imagine how deep that would be? Can you imagine how wide that lake would be? Can you imagine how broad that lake would be? Paul is praying that we would be like a tree planted by the Lake Love of Christ. That our roots would go down deep, 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 deep into his love for us and that we would have the strength to understand his love for us and then the purpose of all of that the purpose of those roots sucking up the love of christ is so that we would be filled with all the fullness of god oh my what does that mean well may i have three volunteers for this i need a volunteer to read ezekiel 43 verses 4 and 5 thanks beth And then, Avery, do you want to read Ephesians 2, 21 and 22? I think that's what you did yesterday. And then may I have one other volunteer read Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23? Thank you. Beth, do you have Ezekiel 43? Thank you. So what filled the temple? The glory of the Lord. And what did it fill? The temple. Okay, keep those two things in your head. Avery, can you read Ephesians 2, 21 and 22? Very good. Thank you, Avery. Very good. And then can you read Ephesians 1, 22 and 23? Thank you very much. So go back in your head to Ezekiel. What is doing the filling? The Holy Spirit's glory is doing the filling. What is it filling? The temple. Okay, now think about Ephesians. What is doing the filling? The Holy Spirit again. And what is he filling? He's filling the body, which is like the new temple. Remember Paul was making this big deal about how he's taking this diverse people and weaving them together into one body or one temple for the Holy Spirit to fill. So as we have strength from the Holy Spirit to understand more and more and more the love that Christ has for us, then we will be filled more and more and more with his Spirit, which is what we're supposed to be because we're his new temple. We're his new building. We're his new body. Isn't that cool? I thought that was really exciting. I asked my husband for a quick definition of what it meant to be filled by the Spirit, because sometimes I think that can feel fuzzy. And he pointed me to Ephesians 5, where it says, don't be overcome by wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And he said, it's just being influenced by. So just like we don't want to be negatively influenced by alcohol, we do want to be more and more and more and more influenced by the Holy Spirit. I thought that was helpful. So look back at the beginning of that second request, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So how does comprehending knowing the love that God has for us help us to be filled with God's glory? Well, it's a lot easier to trust someone when you know that they love you, right? And when you know that they really, really, really love you, it's a lot easier to follow them, to imitate them, to be willing to be led by them, to want to be like them. So I think that as we grow in our understanding of Christ's love for us, it's so much easier to follow him. And that's what Paul's praying. One book that has really helped me with that in the last year is dane ortland's book gentle and lowly the heart of christ for sinners in that book mr ortland goes deep into the love of christ and he explains in depth how christ loves us he looks at the new testament and he just goes through in such helpful ways and that really helped my heart so if you want to read more about that his book is called gentle and lowly the heart of christ for sinners so i'm going to give you another minute and I want you to think and then jot down how would you summarize this second request. Okay, I'm going to start reading the praise and one more request at the end, but if you still need a minute to write, that's fine. Verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, Throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So look at verse 20. Whom is Paul praising again? He's praising the Father. Just like at the beginning, he was directing our attention to the Father. Again, he's praising the Father. And how does Paul describe him? He describes him as he who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. So remember the treasure chest? He's pulling out far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine. Paul is asking for some really big things here. Do you think, I don't know if I would, do you think that you would have the audacity to go to God and say, I want to be filled with all the fullness of God, please. I want to know your love for me that's so wide. Tell me about your love for me. Would you have the audacity to do that? Paul is asking for audacious things here, but he's reminding us of our good, good father, who wants to give generously to us, and he's reminding us that he can do far more abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think, or even imagine. Have any of you ever prayed something really big and then had God answer in a completely different way than what you thought he would answer? But then years later, you looked back and said, He was so much wiser. (laughs) That was way better than I could have ever imagined. I have. I'm sure you can think of instances in your life where that's happened. And that's what Paul's reminding us. He's reminding us this is God. We don't have to imagine how God is going to answer this. God is going to do it, and he's going to do it far more than we could imagine. And then look at the end of verse 20. How does God do this? It's according to the power at work within us. Well, what is that power? Do you remember from the beginning? Look up at 16b. Do you remember what the power is? We're strengthened with power through his spirit again. So Paul is praying and praising God the Father who's at work with us through his spirit so that his son will dwell in our hearts through faith. And he's reminding us that this power to do all this is Holy Spirit power. So here's the last request. Verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So look at it. Where's God getting the glory? There's three prepositions, in, in, and throughout. Do you see them? God is getting glory in the church. That's what the whole book of Ephesians is about. Our year this year has been fraught with division in our world in our country in our state there's been division everywhere and there's an answer for the division if your heart is hurting over the division go to chapter 2 and start in verse 10 and read from 210 to the end of three every single day for a week and it will encourage you it is so encouraging to see that there's an answer for all this division and the answer is jesus jesus is the only one who can take incredibly diverse people And put them all together into one body for his son. Or God is the only one who can do that for his son, Jesus. It's incredible to see that. And God is getting this glory in the church, even in the heavenly places. There are angels in chapter 3, verse 10. It says that heavenly beings are watching. And they're watching as God is getting glory in the church. So God is getting glory in the church. He's getting glory in Christ Jesus. Because Christ Jesus is the unifying factor in this whole thing. And then he's getting glory throughout all generations. And that is really encouraging to me. The church is not going to die in our generation. The church is going to continue to spread, and Jesus is going to get glory throughout all the generations, forever and ever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to give you another minute to write down how would you summarize the praise and the one last request, and then I'll pray for us. I'm going to go ahead and pray if you need to keep writing that's fine but i'm just going to go ahead and pray father thank you that you are our good father thank you that we don't have to be a certain ethnicity or keep certain religious laws in order to call you our father thank you that you are powerful and rich and generous and that we can come boldly to you we ask you That you would use your spirit to strengthen us in our inner beings so that the Lord Jesus would live even more strongly in our hearts through faith we ask you that you would open our eyes so that we would be able to see Jesus and his amazing love for us and that you would fill us more and more and more with your spirit to you who can do much more than we can imagine we give the glory We ask that you would continue to receive glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, forever and ever. Amen.